Right, welcome back to Brunch with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Friday morning. Let's end the week with something special. Now, in the next 20 minutes or so, you're going to hear an excerpt from our Saturday morning program, Lion Rockers, which I host every Saturday morning at 8.30. And last week, I got the chance to sit down with Ajmal Samuel. Now, he has an amazing Lion Rock story to share. Born and raised in Pakistan, he came to Hong Kong uh, later on in life. And in his Lion Rockers story, he shares how a, a, a life-changing uh, spinal accident uh, left him as a paraplegic, but he doesn't let that to stop him. Uh, instead, he uses that to motivate him, and then he became an, an endurance athlete and also a, a para-athlete uh, as well and, and also an entrepreneur. And here he shares a little bit more about uh, how the Lion Rock spirit helped him uh, ch- uh, face obstacles and also some of the advocacy that he's done in his time until today they, i have it in my they put titanium rods in my spine so i still have uh, my doc i asked my doctors should i take them out are you going to he said no, pointless just leave them there it's okay and it's been i don't know 36 years 35 years i've had those titanium Incredible. Rods, yeah so that's how so actually uk was a godsend for me because i was in a rehab hospital and uh, that's where I learned how to basically live my life independently again. And uh, uh, that was just, actually, that was the beginning of a long journey for me. Because also what happened was that because of this accident, because of spinal injury, I developed chronic pain. And the chronic pain was worse than my spinal injury. Because I would be sitting, talking to people, and I would pass out. The pain was so intense. And eventually... Uh, I was seeing a lot of pain specialists and all that. They put me in a whole lot of morphine and actually a cocktail of different medication. And uh, what happens is when you have this surgery very fresh, it is uh, physical and it is mental and emotional, everything put together because you're going through a lot of trauma. So the painkillers were okay because they were helping not only my physical part, but my whole uh, person, my whole person. They were helping that okay uh, the whole trauma for mentally and emotionally and physically, they're all taking care of it. So initially it was okay. I've, I could feel that, okay, I'm pain-free now, or at least, although just for a short time and the pain would come back. And then I had to take med- pain medication. But then, yeah, this is another st- part of my life, uh, which was very interesting because when I came to Hong Kong also, I was uh, I started seeing the pain clinic in Queen Mary, and they also put me on a whole lot of medication, even more than what the doctors in UK had put me on. And eventually, in 2001, I uh, conscientiously myself decided that I'm not going to take any more pain medication. Just cold turkey. Yeah, I just stopped everything cold turkey, and that was it. Was a very interesting experience because my doctors in Queen Mary told me that if you stop. Because I was taking huge quantities of morphine. If you stop, it's like blood in your body. You can have a... a that withdrawal symptoms. Withdrawal or? is one thing. I could have a stroke or I could have a serious heart attack or something because suddenly my body would... Uh, such a huge dosage would go away. It was like part of my body. But I, I did a lot of research and eventually came up with that uh, people who go through these problems they find that endorphins are a good replacement for morphine. I, I, I've started having serious medical problems because of all the medication. 
So I used to do a lot of that, and then eventually I gave her the medication, and yeah, the withdrawal symptoms were bad. It took me almost a month to get over all of that. And then, uh, by the way, this is at the same time that I was CEO for City Line. So it's, and many people in even at work never knew what I was going through in my this particular aspect of my life. They just thought Ajmal is having another face in life that he's taking on sports. But it's not just I've taken on sports. It's the reason I've taken on sports, and yeah. that was because of my my withdrawal and my getting off the medication. Yeah. yeah, take us back to how did you join CityLine then in the end? Yeah, so I when I came to Hong Kong in 1992, I think so, uh, I thought, well, by the way, before I came to Hong Kong, I was living in Germany, and I almost got my German nationality. But I came to Hong Kong, and I fell in love with Hong Kong, and I said, I'm not going back to Europe. I didn't like Europe to start with. Nothing wrong with Europe, but it's just being in a wheelchair in Europe is just not a good thing. So when I came here, I started, I thought, wow, cool place, very dynamic place. I'll be able to look for a job and find a job. I, was, I did my computer sciences in Germany, and I was... Uh, uh, ex-army officer, I had telecommunications background and all that. This should be okay, but not known to me. It was one of the worst decisions at that time for me because uh, I started applying for jobs. It's not an exaggeration that I send thousands of CVs, thousands. And uh, by the way, I used to get interviews, but many times I have had this experience. I go for the interview and uh, they look at me and they wouldn't even open the door. <laughs> I, I, I've gone through this whole, this whole thing and they would just say, go away. We are not uh, even going to talk to you. Because uh, this is the time long before there was any concept of uh, uh, some platform for disabled people or disability rights or whatever. There was no concept in Hong Kong that time. And that's what I had to go through. And uh, I, I still remember one time I was interviewed by one of the big, uh, one of the big telcos, one of the biggest telcos in Hong Kong. And uh, the guys who were interviewing me, they after the interview, they told me, "Oh no, we love you. You exactly fit the profile, but unfortunately, we can't offer you a job." because our workplace is not set up for you at all. Nobody will be able to work with you because they don't know how to deal with a guy in a wheelchair. So I'm sorry, we can't offer you a job. <laughs> and that, yeah. that's, that's insane. Yeah. How is dealing with somebody who's not in a wheelchair different to dealing with somebody in a wheelchair? No, but that's, that's, the, that's the, that was in the early 90s. That's the way the they thought. The mindset just... That was the mindset. And uh, so, okay, no problem. So eventually I ended up working. Uh, the first company that offered me a job was a local, very local, local company to be a technician, computer technician. And that's what I, I took it up because I thought, at least I get a uh, foot in the workplace here, and I become employed but, and get into the whole workforce. And I think that was a, not I think, that was the right decision to do, because after one year I was promoted, uh, running one of the departments there, and then I think within a few years I got handed by a Silicon Valley company. And... Uh, I worked with them for a while, and then I, a friend of mine introduced me to this uh, mainland, uh, actually Chinese big family office. They had very big businesses in uh, China, and they own, used to own, and still own a lot of businesses in Hong Kong. 
and he asked me to talk to them and I went and they offered me it, basically the workforce that time when I was working it, I think it would be easily 10,000 people working for that uh, particular family so I was just one small little guy working in that family and and uh, eventually I was based in Hong Kong and Guangzhou I used to commute practically every day on a train in they, that time, there used to be a morning train going from Hong Kong to Guangzhou. I used to take the train and then come back in the evening. Sometimes, and sometimes they gave me an apartment in uh, Guangzhou, so I sometimes stay there. But basically, I was working on a project related to some automated meter reading, which uh, another techno- technology thing. And after a few, uh, I think one or two years later, something like that, I was one day approached by one of the senior guys from the group. They asked me that the big boss, the owner, wants to see you. So okay, <laughs> I, I don't even know the. I know the owner, but I, I'm nobody in this whole group. And then eventually, I had a lunch with him, and uh, there's a long story. I won't go into details with that, but uh, I left a bit of an uh, impression on that guy, and. Uh, I w- me together with another Norwegian guy, uh, in also working. We were both offered a job to come and fix a company in Hong Kong. One of his companies called Cityline, and apparently Cityline wasn't doing very well. They had never made money, and they were uh, they they used to be a big brand. You go to U.S. cinemas, you see Cityline. Cityline for U.S. Yeah, cinemas. Right, yeah. yeah, you used to see that logo and all that, but it was never really a successful. It, People thought it was a successful company, but it, it, from a revenue point of view, it was never a success because it was a successful brand. People knew about it. Everybody knew about it, but it never made money. So I was asked, hey, this is your company. Uh, you guys, both of you, uh, which one of you is going to take up to either fix it or shut it down? So we had a long discussion. The Norwegian friend of mine, he didn't want to take it. And he said... <laughs> Because actually, both of us thought this is a death sentence. Because if we take it, if we can't, nobody wanted to take nobody it. Nobody wanted to take it. So eventually, he said, "Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll take it." And then I, I went in, and uh, luckily, I received a lot of good mentorship. I had a very good mentorship within that group. There were a few guys, especially one particular guy, a Canadian guy, who really mentored me very well. How to. Uh, put this all together. So eventually, I was able to actually do some major projects in Hong Kong, including Hong Kong Disneyland's whole ticketing system, Arptics for people who know Arptics. Uh, I'm the one who took a, from the old legacy system, built the new systems in City Line, and then the whole UA Cinema. UA was a brand owned by the same family also. So whole UA Cinema is the the complete platforms, technologies to just redo the whole thing. Uh, yeah, and many, many more projects working with the family. Uh, yeah, that's that's how my my story about how I got into the city line and how I made my name. In, how your life has changed from your accident to going to a, a, a similar but very different field to what you imagined. Now, the guests who come on the program are Lion Rockers and Ajmal, you've definitely got that Lion Rock spirit, that Hong Kong spirit. Yeah, you know, that's that, right. That, that I, I believe that into spirit. Hong Kong spirit, yeah. And this yeah. is a spirit where basically if you really want to do something, you can. Actually, I sometimes compare Hong Kong with the old uh, United States of America. So people go used to go there to 
do something into that whole American dream. Okay, so from my point of view, I think Hong Kong dream is a much powerful dream than the American dream. That's my own because maybe I'm biased because it's my own personal experience. But really, I have proven it that a Hong Kong dream, you can do anything if you really get your head around it. If you really want to do, of course, it's a place where you need to work very hard. And once you work very hard, you can achieve whatever you want to achieve. And I, I think I have gone through the journey in Hong Kong. Now, Ajmal, you are incredible because you are a really amazing athlete. So, apart from you know what you do in technology, what are your hobbies? What, what do you do for fun? Uh, for fun, I I make sure I burn a lot of carbs. <laughs> so, <laughs> I I I'm actually this is a very my life to me even it's sometimes strange. I can tell you very very frankly. For me myself, I find it very weird sometimes what is happening with my life because every day there is something new crazy thing which is going on. For example, uh, when it comes to sports, I started. I took on, uh, I started with pushing my chair in, on Boyne Road. And then eventually I did a lot of research. I said, I want to get a hand cycle, a hand bike. Yeah. So I got a hand bike and then I started training. And you won't believe I used to start from, I used, that time I used to live on Bonham Road. And from Bonham Road going all the way up to Stubbs Road, Wong Nicham Gap Road. And then. So uh, steep. Yeah. And then go down to Aberdeen and then climb up. Fulham Road, all the way up to back home to Bonham Road. Yeah, so uh, once I was doing that, I I got to a point I attained a certain level of fitness, and then I said, okay, what do I do next? And that is when I got my racing wheelchair, and I especially went out and I saved money and I bought a racing wheelchair and I started training. And racing wheelchair is typically used in marathons or is in used in anything which is equivalent to running. And then I I discovered that even before marathons, uh, there was no triathlons in Hong Kong for disabled people. So I approached uh, Hong Kong Tri, and then I talked to them, and then uh, I started. I became a member of Hong Kong Tri, and everybody used to find it very um, completely out of this world. Why do you want to do triathlons? And I had to show them that. Okay, there are other people around the world also doing who are disabled like me, but they are doing these type of thing, activities, and then eventually. Hong Kong Tri actually created a separate category for, and I became the first chair for the committee for the disabled part of the Hong Kong Tri, and uh, so that's how my role in the regulatory part of the sport started. And then I wanted to join marathons in Hong Kong and other places also. So I was doing marathon in other countries. I used to go to, especially Ironmans and half Ironman, not full Ironman, half Ironman. I used to do a lot in Singapore. I used to go to Singapore and I used to do a lot of half Ironmans and I became actually to the point I was number one in Asia at one point in time in my category. And then I st- thought, well, I need to do Standard Chartered Marathon. And of course, when I wrote to them, they all like, oh, there is no category. What are you talking about? Go away. Da, da, da. So, and finally, you managed to yeah, lobby right. them. Yeah, I lobbied and I got... 2009. To, yeah, that's right. Eventually, Amazing. I took part and uh, not only me, we got... Uh, athletes from all over the world who took part in all of that. And to the point that t- till today, there's a category, special category for disabled people who take part in the Standard Chartered Marathon. So it opened up 
so that's that was my contribution to the Hongsterjad <laughs> Marathon. Amongst many as well. Can we quickly talk about the ATMs? What you did yeah, with the ATMs in Hong Kong? So actually, there was, it was a little bit of a personal project because uh, which became into a very major uh, thing. That when I came to Hong Kong, uh, after I got my first job in Pacific Rim Systems, of course, the, the guys asked me to open an HSBC account. And I was the, the office was in Wan Chai. So I went to the Wan Chai branch, which has stairs. But and eventually, some friends helped me, and we went up and opened the account. And then the salary started coming in. And I was like, okay, I want to draw money. Where do I go to draw money? Oh, every ATM you go, there are steps. Especially HSBC has separate ATMs, and they all have steps. And that's where my my thing with HSBC started. So I started writing to them, and there was no response from them initially. And then I started writing to SEMP, and uh, I wrote a lot to SEMP. And eventually, HSBC did respond, and they... After almost a year, they said, "Look, we have uh, we we understand you approached us. We understand you've been writing the newspaper, and what we have been doing is we have not been sitting idle. We have come up with a new strategy, global strategy, which basically allows uh, makes sure that all our branches will be accessible." Wow! Okay. I got goosebumps. So, so I, I didn't realize that it was going to have such thing. a big impact. You know, I was just oh, I'm, I want to take my money, oh, money out. out. <laughs> but eventually, uh, it, that's what happened. So now you go to not only ATMs, you go to any HSBC branch, you will see there's a ramp going up, uh, wherever. So that is some apparently there is something to do with all my. Oh, you're lobbying, yeah. <laughs> with HSBC, yeah. So that's, that was my HSBC story with the ATMs, yeah. An amazing story indeed. If you enjoyed Ajmal's line rocker story, then do visit our homepage and you can revisit our archive every Saturday morning at 8.30. And on tomorrow's episode... We've got the CEO of the Hong Kong Jockey Club, Vinfred Engelbrecht Brex, joining us uh, to talk a little bit more about his life story and how the Line Rock Spirit has helped him with his life.